Welcome to another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name is Aura. Now, last week, we had Tim on the show. We so did. We talked about the, uh, I guess, the release of his amazing software. And, you know, I can't, I can't remember. Did, did you know that someone contacted, on face, contacted us on Facebook like with feedback about it? I did. Said, hey, I, we actually also independently communicated that message to him. Oh, we both did. Yeah. Okay. I was like, "Hey, Tim, look at this," and he got he got on there, and that person had direct interaction with the developer of his new favorite game ever. Maybe favorite game ever. It's like a fantasy land. This uh, Facebook site of ours. Yeah. No, it allows you to do things that you could never do before. Never in your normal life. Now, if if you could just figure out how to find our page, you would be better off than you are right now. It's facebook.com slash chatterbox video game radio. So much more useful than our actual website. And, uh, you know, you should you should go there and interact with us like the three other people who are there right now. And, uh, you know, enjoy yourself. Now, and if you happen to uh, pique my interest, you'll get a non- smarmy answer from me yeah probably quite smarmy from me all right so we have almost an entire show in front of us several things to talk about i brought to your attention a letter from peter moore of ea i know you've got quite a few things to talk about we want to also uh there was there was that richard garriott guy oh yeah skipped talking about last week we will talk about it this one this one for sure but I'd, i'd really like to uh start off with zapcon yeah, that thing that I didn't get to go to. I was busy doing stupid stuff this weekend, man. Like having a life? I mean, I, sh- I say stupid. I mean, not video game related. Like hanging out with real friends, doing real things. I had a friend who like was recently told that you know they got all the cancer, so he's not dead. Uh, so that was like a good thing. So we hung out over there. Oh, wait, you mean he got rid of all the cancer? Yeah. Not that he obtained all no, the cancer. No, he didn't. Obtain, like they went in and took it. And they, you know, got all of it, supposedly. There's a high recurrence rate, so there's risk. But that's, that's always thrilling. Anyway, good news. Good news. And so we hung out with that family for, for quite a bit of the day. And then um, the next day we did some other, you know, just very homely stuff. Nothing terribly exciting. When I could have been at ZapCon playing old video games and pinball well you had your chance and apparently some weird game that you have yet to describe to me there's a bunch there's a bunch of weird games but yeah there's some specific ones okay look i just want to throw out something that has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about okay but i think it's funny you know arnold was on reddit doing an ima you're doing yeah i i didn't know but i figured if he was there that's what he would be doing he did he did it like a second time and like it was just so funny because there's just well, somebody asked him like what's your routine or like how do you do this exercise Right. And he was like, and I never like, I mean, I've like, I've read his books. I have his encyclopedia. I know like what kind of hardcore things he does, but never to this extent. He was like, his answer was like, you're not going to like this. First, I like to warm up with a set of 12, then 10 reps, then eight, then six, then four, then two. And then I do five sets of two reps. And then I work my way back up to six or eight reps. And then after that, then I start stripping down again. And, like, he basically, like, just described, like, five different exercises worth of reps for what exercise. What What was the exercise? It doesn't matter. Take okay. your exercise. Okay. So... So he just does a million reps of everything. I just, yeah, I just thought that was beautiful. Like some people like, you know, like they like to go up and then they stop, right? Like they yeah. go down and then they stop. And some people are like, I'm going to be really hardcore. I'm going to like go up and then down. And he just does the fucking W, man. Like, <laughs> Okay, well. Okay. But anyway, that's not, has nothing to do with ZapCon. What does have a lot to do with ZapCon is, um, so for you, those of you who don't know, right, this was a convention that happened last uh, Saturday here in Phoenix. I would call it. Well, I wasn't there, so I guess I can't call it anything. But, I'll call it a convention. But a convention, like, did they have sessions? It was just, like, a bunch of games in a place. Uh, they had tournaments. They had movies. They had the mini-bosses play. So there movies were Movies like The Wizard? Like The Wizard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they had events. They had things happening. There were a couple vendors. There are actually, in Phoenix, there are two uh, local pinball equipment vendors. 
Really? Yeah, which I think you would actually be enthused about because they like uh, switches and buttons and things like that. Sweet. So, um, so yeah, so they're totally local. There's two things that totally stuck out in my mind, and maybe in the process of talking about them, I'll think of a third one, that just it just completely blew me away. The first one was that um, there's this pinball documentary that's on Netflix, right? And it's about basically the history of pinball and other things that have to do with pinball culture, right? And I don't know if you've ever seen it. By your I, face, I'm guessing no. No, I'm... My face right now is me looking through my memory banks trying to decide if I did at some point see part of a documentary relating to pinball. Because I feel like I did. I don't know if it was this one. But yeah. I, I totally don't remember the name of it, and it's not a cover-up. And uh, But you'll find it. It's not hard to find. And the thing that is hilarious about that film to me was that they had the guy, this old Italian guy, was the person who invented the pinball flipper. Okay. Is he dead now? He's not. I, I don't know. But when during filming, he was not dead. Okay. And it was just hilarious because he was so smug. And I tell my friends this and they're like, well, wouldn't you be? And I'm like, yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's just such a perfect device. It's here's the thing. The implication and the reality is that initially these machines did not have flippers. What what was it? The just first, to let the ball drop? Yes. You just pull the plunger. It's like pachinko. And you watch what happens. This is how they started out. Totally different game, man. Somebody had to think and invent the flipper, which is very, very hard to understand until you see uh, how these games basically progressed from their earliest roots in like the six, like 1960. And they had here at Zapcon, they had a row of about four or five machines. And um, I'm not sure if it was intentionally uh, arranged as such, but it sounds like it, it was. It was basically like a microcosmic like history of the flipper, like just these four machines. Because the first one didn't have any flippers. It was just like an old pinball machine with no buttons. You had a plunger, and it's very boring, as you can imagine. What, but was there like... There had to be some other type of reward. Would it spit out like pachinko balls or no? It wasn't spitting out tickets anything. or money or. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't recall exactly if these were just for points or if they were used to dispense rewards. I've just. I've like never that. seen a game that is non-skill and yeah. non-redemptive. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like that. The funny thing was was that the uh, it still had like kind of like that V-shaped area at the bottom with the bumpers. And the bumpers, which automatically, you know, bump the ball back up or in some direction when they get to it, uh, those are actually very powerful. And so the ball would actually bounce up and down a few times most of the time. It wouldn't just go straight down. But so sometimes you put the reactive bumper things where your normal bump, where your triggered bumpers would be or where your flippers would be. No, they would be where your bumpers would be. It was just that it was like very likely for your ball to hit them. And so okay. it wasn't like a complete snooze fest, but compared to, you know, our ADD lifestyle these days. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just can't imagine how this could be entertaining to anyone. And they had another one next to it, right? And this was like, I believe, the first pinball machine that actually had flippers. And the funny thing is, is that um, the first several examples of these, like these are not even the flippers in the sense that we think of them. They were actually much shorter. They're almost like half as short. And they were actually also like in, – in many cases, they were at the very edges of the board at the bottom instead of kind of in the middle. And it actually took like several iterations of pinball game design culture, so to speak, for the flippers to kind of like make their way to the middle, right? And there's like a hole in the middle. And then after that, they started using longer kinds for obvious reasons because in the beginning, even the flippers didn't do very much. Like – if you got if the ball like came close enough to the flipper that you could hit it, like that's just like you just found some gold. That's, that's what it felt like. That's interesting. I mean, I was I was gonna say I don't know if I'm terribly surprised. Like now that you say it, like it it seems like a logical history. Yeah, it makes sense now. But the funny thing is, is right. Like if you don't know this history, you just assume the whole time that like the flipper and the pinball thing was just something that just was invented. Yeah. At the same well, time. now I'm more curious. How did it go from 
not having a pinball machine to having one without flippers. That's a much more dramatic evolution, in my opinion. And who, yeah, which came first, Pachinko that or that well, Pachinko no flipper sure. pinball? Pachinko is certainly older. Is it? Yeah, because pinball like literally started in like 1960. Okay. Yeah, so, pinballs or Pachinko is much older. Yeah. Now, I have Pachinko machines that are older than 1960. Now, how those two lines connected, you know, I, I don't remember that off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty thrilling. Okay. The other crazy thing Did is that... Did you care at all about the non-pinball games? About just the old arcade games? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they had they had uh, they had a lot of pinball games, but they had a lot of arcade games too. And many of them I've seen before, but there were a few outliers. Was everything in good condition? Uh, everything was in quite good condition, actually. Yeah, that's I mean, interesting. Yeah, for the for the great majority of it. Yeah, I saw the list online of games they had, and I got all excited when I saw that Rampart was on the list. I wanted to play some arcade Rampart. Oh yeah, that was there. I didn't and, pay attention uh, to it, but that was there. Yeah, no, that was a great game, especially if you can get a three-player game going. Yeah. That is really fantastic, and it does not hold up at home, not even a little bit. I'm sure. There's one more detail i got to say about these pinball machines, the real early ones, right? They don't even have electronics to uh, basically move the ball from the bottom of the board up to where it sits on the plunger for you to plunge it out into the board. You had a secondary plunger. That you had to physically basically push in, and by pushing in, the mechanics would like very mechanically, right? This part of the machine would basically lift the ball on this little elevator up to where the lane is, where you start next to the plunger, and it would drop in there. Wow! And it's actually kind of cool because it's like a very like you're just like clunk, very satisfying feeling and sound, and then you can pull the plunger and do the thing. So how did it keep score if it wasn't electric? Uh, no, it was electric. It was just they decided that that part of it would not be electric. Just that part. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right, well. Your, your high score could be like 260. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Sponsored by the University of Advancing Technology. Their website is uat.edu. Please uh, take a moment to check them out. Now, we just talked about Zapcon. And I know we don't want to talk about Garriott. Is there any more? Oh, there is more about There's Zapcon. More. The, I left out the most important part. Okay, we can't start this okay. new stuff yet. Yeah. So, okay, okay. There's, there's so much. I have to skim, I have to skim over um, the descriptions of all the modded... Some custom pinball cabs? Pinball cabinets. I'll just say there's one you control with your feet. There was another one that uh, had, like, completely, like, different, like, interface, like, some, like, joysticks and different kinds of buttons instead of the flippers. And, like, that was where one. you control more than just the flippers. Yeah. I liked, I liked that one. Yeah. And then there was another one that basically had, like, you had, like, six different controls. And they had, like, different, like, they had, like, arcade buttons on one of them, and then, like, I don't know why he did this, but, like, you know those, like, player one, player two switches with, like, the red LED, and they're, like, pyramid-shaped? Like, he had those buttons on there, and those did something else, and... I wonder if it controlled those reactive bumpers. So, that was actually in a different game, where there was a... This was, now that you're asking, it was a game called Pharaoh, where when the ball came near a certain edge, it was a magnet that you could activate by holding down the button, and you could suspend the ball in midair. Wow. Yeah. An electromagnet. Electromagnetic. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, 
none of these things are as cool as what blew me away that night. Yeah, you showed me a picture of this, and I have no no idea why it's so cool. In 1983, Taito made a game called Ice Cold Beer. Okay. Creative names back then. Yeah. So this is well within the age of video game technology. However, this game, this is an arcade game, but it doesn't incorporate a video screen whatsoever. Kind of like Lights Out, or not not Lights Out, Speed of Light, which you and I love so much. Kind of like that, yeah. Except that, yeah, kind of like that. But it did have dual joysticks. Seriously? Yes. For Was it for, like, tipping some sort of play field? Here's how it works. So basically... You're looking at a vertical – see, I can't even say screen. It's not a video screen, but there's a vertical screen, okay? And there's a ball in the screen that's basically uh, suspended on a metal bar, right? And everything happens in two dimensions, right? Like the back of the board is on one side of the ball and the glass is on the other side of the ball. So all the ball can do is basically roll back and forth on this, on this metal bar. Okay. Okay. Now, your joystick... Because I've seen a picture of it, I kind of get it. I yeah. think if I hadn't seen a picture, I would be lost. Yeah. So um, all of you uh, non-psychic people can look this up on the internet. Imagine just a vertical board, a 2D playing field that's vertical, like your television perhaps, and there's a piece of glass in front of it, and in between those two things is a ball. Yeah. And then there's a horizontal bar upon which the ball rests... But the ball can't move in or out of the screen because it's suspended between the glass and the board. Right. Now. I, I assume you can affect that bar to move the Here's where it gets ball. good. Okay. The bar is suspended by a wire on the left side and on the right side of the bar, right? There's about maybe like, I don't know, like a foot or two, maybe two feet in between each side, right? And each joystick controls controls one string. One of those strings. Okay, I'm getting this. So you can make the the ball move back and forth on the ball according to what angle you make the ball the bar yeah okay i totally point, get this and now, this the whole board is filled with all of these holes which are supposedly like the bubbles in the beer and the theme right uh so as soon as the ball uh is in front of one of these holes it'll just go in the hole and what you want to do is there's specific holes that are your goal right and the the ones that are marked specially is where you're supposed to put the ball. And all the other ones, you basically lose if the ball goes there. And there's like – I think there's 10 marked ones, right? You start off at number one and he's the easiest one to reach. And then you work your way up. You know, you have to get it to number two, number three, and so on, right? It's just, it's just freaking ingenious. I can't believe that something so awesome was created – that is is totally video game style mechanical gameplay without any video whatsoever. Um, it's literally what, what it's rewards all you get though. So when you say there's a place you could win, like does it have some sort of scoring mechanism? You have score or a prize. Yeah, you, have, you don't get a prize, but you have score, just like a video game. Um, there's a timer, right? So the faster you can get into uh, the hole of your goal, the more points you'll get if you take too long. You have lives, of course. Okay. And yeah, I've never seen this up until now, you know, and it's, I've never heard of it either, but I feel like, so there's a game, which I'm sure you've seen, which is just a home game where the, you have, you control two metal rods and you want to get the ball. How would I describe this? I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. If I use my hands, you would. So far, I'm only thinking of shock machines. No. So, so you have, look at my fingers here, right? You've got these two metal yeah. rails he's kind of and, making a v but yeah. they're parallel aren't they they're not okay they're right? not parallel. So they, they are joined yeah. so not not directly at a point but they're separated by like a millimeter or something so there's a ball in the middle and then you separate them and as you separate them the ball rolls down the rods yeah but if you separate them too much the ball will fall right and fall into some scoring thing right so close up is like 10 points but if you like open it and close it a little oh bit, yeah I've, I've seen something like that before. Yeah. okay so you can control like this this metal ball and make it try to get it to roll all the way back on your you know metal so what's the object of it just try to get it you want to get as far back as you can without falling high points in the back yeah and low points up front i guess it's Uh, the honor system with scoring uh well i mean it's a mechanical game like playing old school labyrinth you know 
Gotcha. It's not a video game. It's a table game. Yeah. I mean, the computer doesn't tell you what your score is. Well, there is no computer, yes. Gotcha. You know, it's like playing solitaire. Of course. Uh, yeah, but so anyway, it just it reminds me of that. But I got to say, this game that you're describing sounds like we could build that. It's fun. We could it, recreate it. Not only is this phenomenal, just conceptually and in, and in execution, but I'm shocked that this concept just seems to have just died where it stood. You you know how like stuff that's good they get it gets copycatted constantly. And I feel like this is such a cool idea. Yeah. Well, I also feel like you'd get sick of it after playing it a little bit. No, I don't know. <laughs> you don't think so? That's no, awesome. It's just awesome. <laughs> it's just great. Why don't, why don't we recreate it? So was it totally motorized like the joysticks moved the strings up on some sort of electric i presume so yeah pulley or something yeah yeah okay now it was kind of hard the thing that made it kind of hard to play was that like you know just as you'd expect like the joystick had some give until like you engaged the actual uh electronics yeah so that made it really hard to play because you had to like move the joystick like like 30 percent of the way before it started to take well, now that's interesting. Imagine an analog stick versus a digital yeah. stick. If in you that sense. if you had like a pure like analog interface for that that didn't have any weird like detents in the range of motion, uh, that would this that would make it a really badass game. Honestly, if I were to build that game, I think I would build it mechanically. This could be a this could be like a fantastic Wii game that no one ever made. Like think of the but, Wii like just the Wii like just the Wii controller like that's the bar right. It would be so easy to build this game, a hundred percent mechanically, where yeah. you're just rotating some discs on the front that turn some axles that have a string rotated around it. Absolutely. It's a dead it's a dead simple idea. This is this just reminded me of this one time when one of my bosses told me once he asserted that no new no new game ideas ever, ever like come up. Like we've all already exhausted all the game ideas and we're just redoing things that that we've done in the past. And that, that really made me upset to hear that because I didn't believe it was true. Right. But this is the exact kind of thing that I think is a great example of how you can get in incredible dynamic game interaction and you don't need any technology to think of it. You just need to be, I want to go build this astute enough to think of it. This would be really easy to build. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not that easy, but like, you wouldn't need electronics, which is what I have no ability to to, yeah. to it can, code. It can be done. You have the power. Yeah. All right. So that's so all that's I got. A summer, for that's a summer project. Yeah. Let's build cold beer, and you could have different play play fields, right? So you the could. holes are in different spots. You could. The sky's the limit. Was it essentially a ball bearing? It was. It's a yeah. It was a big. I mean, it was bigger than a, most ball. Now, bearings, how would but. you load it? Because the bar is always at a certain height, and so if the ball falls, then there's no longer a bar at the bottom. You have to drop the bar. No, the bar, the ball can't fall. Well, because it goes into one of those holes. Well, yeah, and then it oh, goes it down doesn't... down the little hole road, and there's a. Well, yeah, and then it starts at the bottom again, right? Yeah. So there's a special hole at the bottom, which is like the return hole, and so like when you die, what happens is the the bar actually lowers to below where you can see, and then that as as it lowers, this actually turns another. Uh, it turns like this purely mechanical cover that's covering up the hole, which is releasing keep, the ball, keeping the ball from falling out into space. Okay. And then the thing comes down, and then the hole opens up, and then the ball, the ball, because there's an angle, right? Because it's going downhill, the ball gets onto the bar, and then the bar comes back up, and the ball's on it. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. incredible. Best game since 1983. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we could. I think we could build it. All right. So where else do we want to go with this? Oh, we're almost at break. Yeah. There's I guess this would be a good time uh to talk about Major Mayhem since I only have a little bit to say about it. Okay. This is an Android game, right? Yeah, so I didn't want to play this on purpose, but my friend insisted that I did because of all the comments I had about Real Racing Three. This is apparently like another freemium game that has a very, very uh morally aligned model of play where you don't actually have to pay money to you know if you're getting get into free play lately or freemium there's it's a, just a coincidence i'm not getting into but there's it. a freemium game on playstation 3 what yeah i think perhaps more than one of them but there's one that's like a big deal like first person shooter home war game count. not home like I, I don't even remember what it's called but someone i know was just telling me recently oh. like oh i've been playing 
that freemium game on PlayStation 3 a lot. Interesting. I forget I, what it's called. I don't. I wasn't actually aware of this, but uh, I haven't played it either. Don't feel bad, but yeah. it's it's on there. It'll probably take you two days to, to play it. Fair enough. All right. Well, there's the break. Maybe we'll talk about Major Mayhem in a minute. We'll be right back. Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Our website is chatterboxgameshow.com. Facebook, better than ever these days, really. Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Uh, let's, uh, like Major Mayhem, two minutes? Let's, yeah, you I thought it was short anyway. Two minutes. It's, right. it's kind of funny. All I really want to say about it is that, um, I mean, mechanically, it was it's, it's pretty good. All it is is basically uh, things show up on the screen and you touch them to kill them. And oh. I mean, I'm distilling the mechanics down, like, very crudely. You know what's funny to me here is, like, I feel like because you got this tablet, you're now discovering the world of mobile games that other people discovered two years ago. Well, this is true. This is true. But, um, anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not like I felt like this was, like, a novel thing, right? I mean, it kind of reminds me Is this just Fruit of, Ninja? No, it's not like... It's basically like Time Crisis, except you touch the screen. Oh. Okay, it's almost exactly like that, actually, because there's, like, you know... The guy comes out of his cover when you shoot, and he's exposed, and there's blue bullets that don't do anything, and there's red bullets that have the almost exact same effect as Time Crisis that uh, uh, Japanese people who made that game would be upset about if they knew how blatantly it was copied, but it's a good design anyway. Uh, and so the red bullets hurt you, and the other ones, they're just for show. Anyway, all that is not what I want to say. All I want to say is that— Does was, Time Crisis do that? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Actually, I think if we really want to get down to brass tacks, I think what it is is like like the, the non-red bullets— don't do anything, but I think if you get hit with like eight of them in one scene, then you lose a life. That sounds like they do something. Yeah. Okay. But if you just get like just one or two, they're just like minor annoyances. You don't really bother you. you know? right, it's like getting hit with a twenty-two. Yeah. Um, if that's what it's like for you, then <laughs> congratulations. Oh, that's the flesh wound. Okay. Here's the thing, right? It's like I kind of felt like there was only. Like, your score at the end of the level, because there wasn't really a score, but you get, like, one or two or three badges. So it really felt like your score was uh, between, like, zero and three, like, for every level. And you get, like, this currency, too. Like, every time you shoot guys, you get this currency. But it's a currency. It's not a score. So it's something you accumulate, right? So maybe – I don't know if it was because I didn't take a close enough look at it, but it was very, very pointed to me that uh, it's, like, philosophically – Right, and I hate using this word, but I will anyway. Like in, it's like they moved it from like a so-called hardcore game to a so-called casual game by instead of focusing on your performance within a particular round. Right, in other words, like round five, what's your score? Right, instead of like focusing on that, it's more focused in like it's more focused around like you basically just collecting this currency, which you can use to buy stuff. Which a lot of these mobile type games do. So it has no measurement of your success. It does, but it just does it in. It's like it's highly underemphasized, and I was actually kind of shocked about how how much they underemphasized it. Okay. It's all. I well, it's on iOS as well. Yeah. So it's not. It's not just Android. So all right. Well. It's also free. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try it and, and see what free. I think. Yeah. I did. I didn't know that there were two different bullets in Time Crisis, though. Yeah, totally. I had no idea. Okay, let's let's move on to more interesting stuff. Okay. Because we promised we would. Well, promised ourselves anyway. And someone asked about it on Facebook. We'll talk about Garriott. Oh what he's yeah. Been doing, right. I really like the EA thing too, but we can. Okay. We'll, whatever. We'll we got one more segment out of this. We'll see how far it goes. Okay. So there's a couple a few weeks ago PC Gamer published this interview with Richard Garriott, aka Lord British. The guy and, who made Ultima. Yeah. 
and it was called Richard Garriott on why, quote, most game designers really just suck, unquote. So your first inclination would to be or would be to be very upset at Richard Garriott, especially if you're a designer. I would not be, but I think it's just semantics because I would think that most fill in the blank suck. It, it's true, but uh, unfortunately, um, you know, I don't I don't know Richard Garriott. You know, I, I'm not a fanboy of his. I respect him, but I don't give him undue praise or. The opposite of whatever that is. I was never a fan of any RPGs, so yeah. whatever. And I mean, like, I'm not that, I mean, like, Ultima doesn't mean a huge amount to me. It's just, it was just not in my culture and my childhood very much. But, you know, my brother played it a lot. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? I mean, he kind of, he kind of like cornered himself with the way he spoke. I don't know if this is, I don't know if he's normally this full of himself. But it's been said that, you know, the most, you know, incredibly successful people you just have to be that full of yourself to be that way who knows if that's true or not we're not going to analyze that this second but i'll just read you what he said because it's very interesting because it actually it's 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 like there's like a covert topic in here that i'm not sure was intended but i think is far more interesting than the overt topic so he goes you know i go back to the day when i was the programmer i was the artist i was the text writer etc you know because back in the day right if you made games you had to do all these things yeah, right? one guy shop yeah, he continues, every artist we've ever hired is infinitely better at art than I ever was. I was never a good artist or an audio engineer or composer. I was a pretty good programmer, but now all the programmers that we have are better than I am. But if I'd stayed in programming, I could probably keep up. But other than a few exceptions like Chris Roberts, I've met virtually no one in our industry who I think is as close is close to as good a game designer as I am. I'm not saying that because I think I'm so brilliant. What I am saying is I think most game designers really just suck, and I think there's a reason why. He continues. Let me just finish this real quick. But uh, do I understand what he's saying? I'm not that good. I'm just as good as everyone else since everyone else is not good. What he's saying is that well, let me – this actually hooks into the, the next part of what he says. Okay. So I'll explain the whole thing at once. Uh, he basically goes on to say like why it's easy to prove that you're a good artist or a programmer, right? Because good artists, they can make art and you can see it. Good programmers, they can program something and you can see it, right? It's not so clear for designers, is it? Correct. So he says just in this vein, right? If you're not a good artist and you're not a good programmer if you still like games, you become a designer, Get it? Yeah. Uh, which is funny because like I see the same thing. teach. I see, yeah. I see the same thing about the video game press and game development. So he says you get into QA and often design. So we're leaning on a lot of designers who get that job because they're not qualified for the other jobs rather than that they are really strongly qualified as a designer. It's really is, hard to go to school to be a good designer. Well, that part's true. Yeah. But – um, I always thought of the designers as the main artists and the other people are just the implementers. Well, I mean, it depends on what you consider art, of course. And th th part of this is conflated by the reality that the, the word designer is actually used in a very slightly different sense in every different studio. But if we think about it like in the traditional way, like here's the interesting thing. Like in, in some ways I think he's right, right? And that like A, like what you said, right? Like most of anybody – is bad at their art anyway or their practice. Just That's just statistics, right? Yeah. But B, um, I do think that there is a huge influx of designers that do suck because they got into it for those reasons that I just quoted. But here's the funny thing about design, right? Because it's so unsalient compared to art and programming. In other words, because it's so difficult to uh, just very um, concretely apprehend Right. Let me put it to you this way. You can tell when someone's good at art. You can tell when someone's a good programmer. But it's really hard to tell when someone's a good designer because it's so subjective. And he, he makes – he actually tells this without telling it in the article itself. He tells this unintentionally because he goes into all this elaborations on like, oh, you know, when I was making my game, I think of the whole thing and I think of the story and I think I have all these four-dimensional spreadsheets. And he goes into like a lot of this detail about things that are really important to him as a designer. And it, specifically, it becomes really clear that his values are about creating a, like a, a so-called living world 
that has all these pieces that uh, are related to each other in ways that make sense for him. And it has enough of this in one place and enough of that in the other place. And he basically talks about the logistics of building like an RPG world, right? Which for that kind of designer might be very valuable. But there's a million different other kinds of things to design. And all the things that he goes into talking about, I'm just like, this is not interesting to me. You know, like that's not why I like design. That's not what got me into designing games. That's not what feeds me as a designer. Um, and so what I think he's basically saying is that he doesn't – he's not really acknowledging that other types of designers exist other than the ones that like share his same values. And that's the problem with design, right? Like this happens – I'm sure, I'm sure you've experienced this too with, the, like, with the, some of the development you've done. Everybody thinks they're a designer. Everybody thinks that they know the right way to do it. Because by all appearances, what you think is awesome and what I think is shit and vice versa, right? It really just sounds like just totally subjective opinion on the face of it. And so how can you tell if someone's good if, you know, if your opinion's different than theirs? Well, you can't easily. I mean, that's, I guess, metascores. That's, that's what makes design so hard because it's so soft as a discipline. Right, it's like saying, "Is Picasso better than Van Gogh?" Clearly, that doesn't. Even, yeah, it's like you can't <laughs> even ask that question. It's like, like, how do you even like, how do you even make that comparison? Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying, and but that's not the angle he takes. Well, it's also kind of feels like, um, you know, like he may be the Van Gogh of his art, right? But it's it's almost like saying uh, if you compare him, so he's very very powerful designer in the rpg world uh what's the exact opposite like um like the guy who made street fighter let's say like the director of street fighter it's almost like comparing those two and asking which is a better designer it's kind of like saying like is like is is michael jordan better than michael schumacher i don't know who schumacher is racer racer yeah okay of equivalent fame to jordan right how can you compare those things? You can't. No. It's really it's, – it's really, so I don't know. So I'm just like – I find that really interesting because I don't think that he – I don't know caught on that angle of this, you know? It's not that they suck. But, I mean a lot of game designers do suck, but it's not that they all suck. It's that every single one who has chops thinks that they're better and – the other one then then like so and so and so and so thinks that they're better than the other person right and they both have their own opinions and there's no way to resolve it because it's so subjective yeah well it's funny to me is also anytime you talk to a designer there's there's discussion of the fact that well at least with me i'll be criticizing something so i'll say oh why wasn't this in there or something was wrong it's like, oh well basically shit happens you don't get to do everything you want in a game and then there's that too and you can never tell what the reason was yeah. unless you ask We'll be right back. Where else are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back once again for the last time this week. 
Chatterbox. The last time when I will mention UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. So it's April 9th today, and my understanding is that four days ago, Peter Moore posted an article uh, on, on an EA blog. And it was right when this uh, this web poll was about to complete. You know that one where last year they got rated, EA got rated worst company. Yeah. Period. Worst company. Consumerist.com does this uh, worst company in America, uh, like March Madness style bracket voting contest. Yeah. It's a lot of contests on the internet are popularity contests because there's no way to really control voting. So you just say vote, right? And you might, you might say once per day per IP or whatever, but essentially it's a popularity contest. Yeah. So this is an anti-popularity contest. It could be a hacking contest too, frankly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can, well, either, either genuine hacking or social hacking, like go onto Reddit and get everybody to vote against EA because we want to screw them or something, right? Indeed. So um, anyway, Peter Moore, who I believe comes from Microsoft years ago, didn't he? I've, I've lost track. Yeah, I seem didn't to remember some kind of like image of him like holding up the Xbox and kissing it. Yeah, I think he was around for the original Xbox. And anyway, um, so he's over as the COO uh, of uh, EA. Actually, if I may go out on a limb, I seem to remember he was started at sega but oh even even more possible sure continue don't remember so coo of ea this contest or this web poll is happening and he writes this blog post essentially saying so it looks like we're about to quote win this poll of worst company just like we did last year and he's he's being really i want to say transparent i don't know if that's true so i don't want to assume it is but he appears to be very frank with his audience, which is a rarity these days. But in this, there's like this new world of, of marketing that is very consumer focused. Um, it's why so many companies are getting involved in social media and things these days. It's, it's very focused on the customer. And, uh, and you find things like this, right, where people very high up in a company are either writing or speaking directly to their constituents. And, and he did this. And I actually... I really enjoyed the letter. We just read it right before the show. Um, he essentially says, you know, people are still yelling at us thinking that this always online DRM for SimCity is, or it, that it's just DRM. And he's like, I don't know how many times to say it. It really isn't. Actually, I think I he was like trying anymore. to be very precise to say it's not DRM. Yeah, exactly. At all. And um, I can't say one when you, when we are the other, but he just, he basically has this this big bulleted list about like people are saying these and doing these. One of them was cool. He's like, there are some some very conservative groups who are saying they should vote against us because we allow LGBT characters in our games. And well, and he basically calls them kooks. I mean, without saying yeah. as much. He's like, I mean, he if, is... if that's the thing people are worried about, we don't mind upsetting them. Yeah, essentially, they're very very firmly um, you know pro LGBT. I mean, yeah. they had like this some kind of like. I don't know, some kind of summit or session or something uh, on that very topic. I don't know what you're referring to, but I'm, I assume it was like GDC something. Uh, it was. I think it was like their own event. Like they just really? did their own little summit. Yeah. I assume what he's referring to is in The Sims, where you can have players end up with. Well, like, I don't think it's just. That, oh, and Mass, like, Mass Effect does it. Yeah, but it's not just that. Like it is literally like a company wide now policy that they are cool with the lgbt business oh well i didn't know that and but clearly it, clearly it was the case but i didn't know that it was so marked yeah um, like they're 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 being very public with it and i think that's cool right but like i was kind of shocked to read i mean like, go ahead yeah he was just very forward about it which was great um one thing i noticed though or he's he's speaking in this letter and I, I suppose i should figure out exactly where it is and point people to it maybe i'll put that on facebook um he a lot of his defense of the company is making the point that so many people are using their products. In other words, like, you know, if millions of people think that we're the worst company, well, hundreds of millions are playing our game. Or a lot of people don't say that they don't think Origin can can stand up as a competitor to Steam. Well, 45 million users are proving yeah, it wrong. You know what? I actually thought that that was the weakest part of his whole letter. It absolutely was. Because you know how they got a bunch of people to play on Origin? Well, they gave away a bunch of games. And... <laughs> Um, yeah, people play your games because they're huge and you throw so much marketing money at it. Of course, you're going to get people to buy it. Not to mention the fact that you can get lots of people to play your games does not make it does not make any of these things 
quality. Right. And it doesn't make them happy, actually. Yeah. Our, our point is that a lot of people do things that are stupid because most people are, like we were saying just now, talking about Garriott and, and what he was saying is yeah. most people are stupid. Most right? people are not in the front of the bell curve. Yeah. So su- success is not necessarily um, indicative of quality. And that's... I think that's what actually causes this disparity among people. Like a lot of people love them because they don't know better and then other people hate them. And that's, that's why they, I think disparity was the wrong word. Like they're so feverishly opposed to the company because like specifically for that reason, because they're made out to be this huge, very successful company that still does these things that are so either anti-consumer or just not cool or whatever. Um, they have a they have a huge target on them, but I don't think they have a bigger target on them than the banks. Or B, oh, or BP. Or all well, the, clearly or, they're or not the companies. worst. Well, I'm not I'm not arguing that they actually deserve worst company. Yeah. Obviously, it's just the fact that this is an internet poll, yeah. and people who are on the internet are playing games. Like the the people who can move numbers in terms of this contest. Yeah are the people who would be playing EA games or playing competitors that's, games. Yeah, that's a really good point. But I'm starting to believe that maybe this is like, maybe they won again just because of the LGBT brouhaha. Maybe. And that, whatever. Like, I, for not even a minute will I think that they are the worst company because they could do whatever they wanted and not affect my life. And as he pointed out, yeah. we're up against companies that literally had oil spills, yeah. right? And, like, just, and destroy lives. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the oil spill in that case. Yeah, like... Like the the mortgage crises and yeah. all of those things. So, yeah, clearly EA is not the Antichrist. I get it, right? And and I agree with him. And it's in jest that this web pool even exists. Well, to some degree. To some degree, but I actually feel like – I'm actually kind of glad – okay, so I was upset that they won initially. I wonder I, if the consumerist thinks of it as much as much of a joke as I just made it out to be. I, I mean, I, I'm sure they're doing it tongue-in-cheek, but I also feel like they're they're serious about it and – I mean, I just got to say, like, consumerist has really gone downhill. I've I, never followed it. Really. I, I mean, I, I used to follow it religiously, and it used to be really good quality stuff. But now, um, it's just like the you people, you people at the consumerists who are putting up the blog posts now. They just they don't make any sense. They put up. I mean, they just do all the stupid things that stupid blogs do. And I'm not going to get into it. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't know anything about them to criticize them. I'm, but. I'm really upset. But anyway, but like I'm glad that now now I'm actually glad EA won because it does nothing but to show how retarded their whole award thing is. So you cannot look at it in any other way but tongue-in-cheek now. Yeah. So maybe it's like the Spike TV Awards, right? It's, uh, it's a lot easier to, be ups- uh, to uh, not be upset about because it's so much more blatantly tongue-in-cheek. Spike TV at least continues to masquerade as something of value. Yeah, that's why I don't like them. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the, the bottom line of this letter from, from Peter Moore was his, um, his acknowledgement as the head of the company, or, well, the near head of the company, um, that they could do better, right? You know, talking about, and he listed out the things that they screwed up, and I don't remember exactly what they were, but one yeah. of them was the SimCity launch. Like, he, oh yeah, I mean, they screwed up things. Yeah, he specifically cited that, used some very strong verbiage as a consumer, was, was like as a consumer entertainment company, they screwed up things. Yeah, let's make sure that that's in the context. Absolutely, <laughs> um, and he said, like, you know, we're taking care of this by giving away a free game, and so many people accepted that game from us, and I was like, well, yeah, of course, who's not going to going to accept a free game? Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's good to see them acknowledging that and working to get better. And so we hope that they become better. And if this poll actually did something to influence them to get better, then I suppose it it did something good. But, you know, I also feel like moments like these where this the chief of a company is saying something so strong, strongly as, as he is, I wonder if it really lasts, you know, if it lasts more than two weeks if it if it really changes in, internal to the company, like, hey, guys, we really need to pay attention to quality. And well, if we're going to roll out a game that has always on, like, we're going to need to make sure we have way more servers than you might expect. If stuff your like company that. is JCPenney, it won't last. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're firing people to get that back on track. Um, all right. So I was happy to see that letter. That's, I'm, I'm glad that's he wrote line. it. Uh, I, I, I feel like it was a little weak. You know, like, I feel like it could have been much stronger. 
You don't think it was genuine? No, I feel like I don't. No, no, no. I have no contention about its authenticity. I just felt like the points he was making was kind of weak. Like once you just throw out like we've got fifty million users, you just like roll your eyes. Like okay, like that's clearly oh, that just, just destroyed the, it for you completely. That's clearly the number that you just throw out because it's a big number and you don't know what it means and you don't have the context for it and how many of those are active, right? And how many? I mean, like right. Like, I think it would have been much stronger if he actually didn't resort to a few of the defenses that he did resort to. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. I wish that it wasn't so much focused on just defense by numbers because that's not. Yeah. In fact, actually, I think if he was without being defense, I think if he didn't enumerate defenses, especially those, that it would be like it would be more effective. I think yeah. it'd be stronger overall. He he did a good job of of pushing back on very specific points like he, he just he was clear about the points he was making whether or not i agreed with how he did it yeah. it wasn't ambiguous and a lot of letters that you see from i don't know high up de- de- defending a company whoever it is that's writing it whether it's pr it's or, much better than i've seen whatever. in the past no doubt yeah it like, was very clear and to the point i give it a seven out of ten i uh yeah I, i'd concur so <laughs> points points to him for that so anyway, we're we're at the end of another show here. Um, I don't think we had anything else that we actually had to cover on no, this episode. No, we got a couple seconds. There's one of our listeners sent us uh, something about Feinstein, Senator Diane Feinstein, about how she's like, "Hey, oh, if the industry doesn't do something about these video games, now that we knew the Sandy Hook shooter played video games and which ones he played, and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like how?" How, like this, how long is this rhetoric going to continue? Did you hear that this morning there was a school stabbing? That's exciting. At a, like Did, Lone do, Star do College in Texas. Do we know what games Texas? he's played already? I don't know, but I'm sure it involved a knife if he ran out of ammo. <laughs> uh, laugh. I don't know if anyone died at that one, but two are in critical condition. Well, clearly that's not what we're laughing at. My sympathies to them and their families, but my sympathies to you because we're at the end of the show we'll be back next week of course and if you have anything you want us to talk about or that you want to just talk about um bring up on facebook that's that's where we live now and uh we'll be back next week good night guys You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.